Father, I just ask this morning that you'd open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, that you put your words in my mouth, that we would listen and learn from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It'll be on in a minute. Yes. Okay. Last week we were in Acts 18. This week we're in Acts 19. And we were left with Paul travelling the different churches that have been established and encouraging them. Well, this week we've got Paul in Ephesus. And I've called, Paul, called it Paul in Ephesus or veiled or unveiled. Now, the sermon's nothing to do with marriage. It's nothing to do with Muslims. It's nothing like that at all. What it is is, do we cover our faces with a veil? Do you remember Moses, when he got the Ten Commandments, he came down to the people and his face was just shining with glory. But as time went on, that glory faded, so he put a veil over his face. So people couldn't quite see that it had gone. He'd covered himself. Now, this is all coming much later in the sermon, but I just had to explain the, the title. So let's talk a little bit, a bit about Ephesus for a minute. Ephesus, where Paul had gone, he'd promised the people previously that he would come back and spend time with them if he could. Uh, Ephesus was a huge city. It was the major city in Asia. It was on a port and they had all the international travel going backwards and forwards and all. Now, if I work out how to do... No, the other way. That's better. There we go. There's, there's Ephesus. And last week, I think we had him in Corinth. Is that right? Yep. So he's walked all the way around there to Ephesus and as you can see it's on the water and it was the main port, a very major city and at its zenith when it was the, when you know at its heyday 144,000 lived there. That's a pretty big city. How many have we got? 20? 25? Something like that. So it was a big city. Now that is the library in Ephesus back then. Now I've showed you, yeah, well, it's fall apart. <laughs> but I'm showing you that to show you that the people in Ephesus put a great stock in. They, they really valued written words, not the Bible, but they valued written things, their scrolls and their manuscripts. They were very important to them. And that again comes in later. Here we've got the, Colise the amphitheatre and again that comes in later and that would seat 125,000 people. How many are in an MCG? I meant to look. How many? 101,000, thank you. Okay, so this amphitheatre was bigger than your MCG. That's a huge crowd if you fill it. So this is the city that Paul is going to. He's gone to Ephesus, this huge, huge city. Imagine yourself going to a huge city saying, right, to 
today I'm going to preach the gospel in this city. And you look at all the people and all the buildings and you scratch your head and you say, where do I start? Don't really know anyone. Yes, I visited the church and they did ask me to come back. But where do I start? Well, of course, he started at the beginning, didn't he? He went to the synagogue. Where else would he go? Paul, no matter how much trouble he was in, always preached to the Jews first. He wanted them for God, whether they wanted it or not. And so he went to the synagogue and he preached there for three months. And let's, let's have a read of it. Maybe some of you can't read that at the back, but if you've got your Bibles, open them up because I thought I'd done it big enough, but I didn't. <laughs> so Paul's in Ephesus. So Acts 19, 8 to 11. Get out your phones or your Bibles or your iPads or your... or look at the screen like me. <laughs> then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Last week Andrew was telling us that in Corinth he preached and when they chucked him out, where'd he go? Next door. This time he's gone to the school. And there was great value in that. Now, I might be wrong and you can tell me, but Andrew might be able to tell me straight off. Andrew, were they allowed to preach in the synagogue any day but the Sabbath? Could they do it every day? Yeah, that's what I don't know either. Well, I'm assuming they could only teach in the synagogue on the Sabbath. But now he's gone to this school, he could preach every day of the week, which he did for three hours each day. So God's really opened the way. It was good that they chucked him out because it's just amazing what he did in that time. He did this for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jew and Greek, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched the skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Oh, we won't go there yet. So you can imagine his preaching and teaching. As it said, people throughout that whole, not just that big city, but the whole province, because there's travellers to and fro, were all healing the gospel of Christ. They were all hearing of Jesus come to earth in the form of a man, Jesus crucified for their sin. Jesus resurrected to conquer the power of sin and death. These people were impacted greatly as they heard all of this. And of course, wherever he went, 
the miracles accompanied the gospel of Christ. He, he placed hands on people, they were healed. People brought their hankies, other people who were six hankies and all. Another episode in that time was when they'd heard people who had practised witchcraft, people who had practised all sorts of things that were not of God, brought their precious scrolls, placed them on the ground and burnt them. These scrolls, I read, were, were in the Bible it says 155,000 uh, drachma, I think it was. In our money, that's five to seven million dollars. Can you imagine? Here they are burning up scrolls worth five to seven million dollars. That's going to impact society. That's why I brought the library in before, just to show you that this was important to them. These scrolls are being burned up and people are turning to Christ. Now, it's hard to give up something that you value. Just imagine them. They've got these precious scrolls that they've lived by till this time and now they've found a different way but they're being asked to give it up. Not easy. It's not easy at all. Not only recently I went to a party or some sort of, um, I can't say smelling party, uh, <laughs> did you know incenses and smells and all of that that you, you get one and it has stuff in and it'll help a headache and you get something else and it'll help something. Thank you, that's the one, aromatherapy. And at the time I was listening and it all sounded really good and I was... I bought a couple of things, so I thought these will be really good. And a couple that I bought, I wasn't even going here, this has nothing to do with the sermon, um, a couple I bought, one they said was for the heart, to open your heart, and one they said was for putting here that would open the third eye or something else. Anyway, all the spiel, they said it was good. And I bought them. It didn't take long for God to convict me. I said, uh-uh. And I thought, I spent $30 each on those. <laughs> well, I don't want to throw them away. Could I give them to someone? Uh-uh. You're going to give it to someone else to hurt them? Uh-uh. And so, oh God is so gracious. But it hurt me to give them up. And I'm just thinking, if it hurt me to give up $60, how much did it hurt these guys to give up $5 million? <laughs> But even though that's not part of the sermon, it's really good to hear God. And yeah, we can be taken in by all the spiel, all the media, everything else. But be careful what you can just get into. Just be careful. Anyway, going back to this... To Paul. Let's keep going. Acts 19.23-32. About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. You all know what I mean by the way? It's the way of Jesus, walking the path that Jesus wants you to walk. It began with Demetrius. Hi kids, have fun. 
He began, he began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis or Diana. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called them together along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. But as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess, worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of great prestige. Demetrius was worried. Now, where I want to go is thinking about Demetrius and what was behind this meeting he called and why he called it. Now, it's easy to begin with, we think, yeah, his money, his power. But to me, there's even more behind that. First off, he's saying the money, but you notice, if you called and wanted everyone upset, they're not all going to be upset about the businessmen losing their money. So he had to bring something else in as well. He brought religion in. They thought, that's what will get them going. That's what will really bring it to the fore. But why? Why did he do it? Yes, he was going to lose money. That's his first thing. If no one's buying the idols they're making, he's going to lose his business. He's going to lose the authority he had. He said that the, we read in the previous chapters that he had prestige. He's going to lose his power, his authority amongst the people. None of us likes losing money. None of us likes losing power or prestige. He might lose his good name. He stood to lose everything. But taking it even further, what was he frightened of? If you lose all your money, what are you frightened of? I can't hear, sorry. Whoever said it? Starving, yeah. But I'm taking it a little step further. You're losing your security, aren't you? You're losing the security that you have around you, the security that you've built up around yourself. You, you if you lose your power and authority, again, you're losing that security of how good you are, how you perceive yourself as how good you are. All these things to me came back to losing that security, that if you're looking to yourself, and to your friends for your security, to your wealth, to what you do, to what you've based your life on, then you're going to fail dismally. Because there's nothing you can do sometimes about losing your money. 
nothing you can do about losing so much. Oh, well, I've missed that bit. We won't worry about that bit. <laughs> so I've got what thoughts, beliefs, actions stop you living your God-given life? What's stopping you following the path God wants you to follow? I believe each one of us has things that stop us. And they usually come back to the money, power, wealth, but they really come back to the security, where you've put your security. I listened to a radio, the radio the other day, and this lass was talking and she was giving her testimony and she said, from a little girl of three, I loved to organise people. I'd organise my brothers, I'd organise my sisters, I'd organise the games, I'd I'd organise everyone, tell people what they should do. She said, I got to school and after a while there I started trying to organise the teachers. This is not me. <laughs> started trying to organise the teachers, which they didn't appreciate, she said. By the time she got to about 10 years of age, people were starting to call her bossy boots and saying, oh, we don't want to listen to you, we don't want to hear you, we don't want to know. And she decided at that age, okay, they don't like me if I'm organising them. They don't like me if I'm telling them what to do. I won't do that anymore. I won't, I won't be like that anymore. I'll just be quiet and fit in. She pulled the veil down, didn't she? She, she hit that part of herself so that no one knew it was there. Well, she said years went by and she was working. She wasn't happy in her job. It was just a job. And she was doing it and she worked well and the people were very happy with her. But then one day, and I'd have to say that one day was God, someone intervened and said to her, offered her a job. They said, I think you'd be good for this job. This job entailed organising so many people that it was incredible. She took the job, she organised it, she ran this organisation absolutely stupendously. And what she finished saying was she realised God had given her that gift of organisation. As a little child, she didn't know what to do with it, but because she shut it down, she missed many years of happiness and walking God's way because she was frightened of losing her friends, because she was frightened of losing her security, because she was frightened of losing what she had. She shut it down. And she said, even though God allowed this because once she realised it, she was free. She was free to be the person God had made her to be, to fulfil her potential. And I want to give you another example. And this time it is myself. I had a circumstance where I just didn't get on with someone. And my perception was they didn't like me, they wanted to pick on everything I did wrong, 
it just wasn't good. You know, they'd be, they seemed to laugh at the things I said and they weren't laughing with me, they were laughing at me, is how I felt. Anyway, it got to a stage, I, I just didn't like it when that person, when I was around that person. It was not nice. And yes, I was asking God to help me with that relationship. But nothing seemed to change much. And I got to the stage that I was actually physically in the morning, if I was going to see the person that day, I was physically shaking. I was at the stage of being so frightened. If that person spoke to me in a loud voice, my legs literally, that was just really, really terrible. And it was only when God did a miracle in my life that I came to realise I had taken on how that person, I thought that person was acting to me. I had believed what that person was saying or what I thought she was saying, what she was doing. I had begun to live that life of fear, of feeling I was stupid because I thought she was saying I was stupid. I'd brought all this on to myself, covered myself up because I can remember sitting, uh, sitting wherever I was and thinking, all right, well, I'm just not going to talk anymore. I'm just not going to say anything. Like this other girl I talked about, I'm not going to do it. Oh, I'm not going to, to do whatever it was. And I really did become a different person. I lived my, my, what was put onto me. I believed what I thought was said and I began to live it. And the more I lived it, the worse I got. You know, my memory went. I couldn't remember things I was supposed to do at work. I made mistake after mistake after mistake because I was living a lie. I was living a lie. I wasn't living how God made me to be. I wasn't fulfilling God's purpose. I had allowed thoughts and whatever to come into my mind and believe them, then lived them and they became actual. And my question is to you. Is this, I'm sure it happens to all of us in one sphere or another. But are you living something that someone said to you in the past? Are you living and letting that belief grow into you until you are not the person God made you to be, until you've become somebody so totally different to what God had planned for you. We need to know what God says about us. Now, just let me go back a little bit. When God broke through in my life, he gave me a verse, and it's... I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. He said to me, no one who puts their hope in me will be put to shame. At that same time, God sent a lady who gave me a word from God. She she said, I believe I've got this word for you. And it just cracked 
that veil in two. It just tore it apart because she told me and it was just in the way she told me what God thought, not what I was thinking. We need to know who we are in Christ. If we settle for second best, we miss out so much. We need to take God at his word. I was thinking the other day, how many of us, I know the majority here, would say that they don't just believe that Jesus is Lord. They know it. They know it in the very depths of their being. They don't doubt it. They don't just believe in their head that they've been forgiven. They know it. There's no doubts. But do you believe the rest of the Bible in the same way? Do you believe that God heals today like he did back in the Bible? Yes, good. Thank you. I've got one here. <laughs> Do, but do you got to believe it here? And I have to say, as I really thought about it, I thought, yeah, most of my belief, there's a tiny, tiny wee little bit in here, which I'm glad and I hope it's growing, but mostly it's in here. Do you believe he will do everything he said he will do for you? Do you believe it in your heart or is it just head knowledge? We need it to go from the head to the heart. And it's just done by, I think, choice. We have the choice to believe or not to believe. After that, it's up to God because we can't with our will saying, I will believe you were healed. I believe, I will, I will, I will. That doesn't work. But as we surrender to God and give ourselves to him and say, I choose to believe you. I can't see it, I can't feel it, but I choose to believe we can walk in God's way. I want to turn to Ephesians for a minute. No, I didn't even write it in. Well, that's a shame. Ephesians chapter 1. can't even find it. Where, again, Paul is speaking, but he's telling them about who they are in Christ, what they are. It says, how we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. You and I, all of us, we've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. We have already received it and it's up to us to use it. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him 
great pleasure. You are not someone who's silly. You are not. You are chosen. You are chosen to be in God's kingdom. This gave God great pleasure for each one of you. It gave him great pleasure to choose you and say, I want you in my kingdom. I want you. Don't let anyone say anything else to you. If they do, give it to Christ. Do you know at the end of that, that era of my life when I was living the lie, finally it came to, did that person really think that about me at all? Was that a lie from beginning to end? Was that whole thing a lie? Satan is so deceptive. Get a thought, and if, usually if it's to do with ourselves that is going to make us feel awful or whatever it is, for some reason we take it in instead of chucking it out. And then, once we've opened the door, he can grow it. He can grow that thought. He can grow it and grow it till we start living it. Don't let that happen. Take every imagination captive. That's what the Bible says. Give every thought, every imagination to Christ. If you've got something that someone's upsetting you, go and talk to them. Don't be stupid like me, and I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but go and talk to them. Tell them that that's how you see it. And yes, that's going to be jolly difficult. Even now, if I thought I had to go and talk to that person, I would find it incredibly hard. At the moment, I don't think God's asking me to because I think I just believed a lie from the beginning. But whatever, even if you perceive something, it might not be how the other person sees, perceives it. If you say it to them, they might think, what? What are you talking about? I don't even know what we're talking about here. But we each see things differently. But know who God has made you to be. So we praise God for the wonderful kindness he has poured out on us because we belong to his dearly loved son. He is so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom through the blood of his son and our sins are forgiven. He has showered his kindness on us all along with all wisdom and understanding. Paul in another passage goes on to pray for all his, for his people, his churches, for us. And he prays that as Mandy was speaking before of God's love, that we would know the height, the depth, the width of his great love for us. And as a church, that's what I pray for us today, that we would really know deep in our spirits, deep in our hearts, how much God cherishes you. Marilyn said a couple of words yesterday, and I think it was the divine love story, divine romance. That's what God's Jesus is all about, the divine romance with each one of you. Now, those words will probably hit the women far more than the men, but I know when she said that, it really struck me 
It's the divine romance that I want. That living with Christ. That taking my thoughts captive, giving them to him, asking him what the truth is. I want to just finish up with a little prayer. Father, I pray today that you would open our understanding, that if there's things in us that we're not living the truth by, if there's things that we've just taken aboard on ourselves and are believing, that you would enable us to give them to you, that you would open our eyes to see the truth, that you would send divine appointments, people to us, to speak your word. Father, help us to choose today to believe all that you say about us and help us to walk the path you have set before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's people that want prayer after the service, don't be frightened to come up the front. Whatever it's for, it doesn't matter. Just come.